Hi everyone, thanks for joining me. My name is David Birnbaum and today I'm joined by Prarthana Chandran. We're going to talk about mental health, but more specifically, our mental health. Welcome to the safe space. So, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no worries. And we, we've talked a bit, but not too much about, you know, what our experiences have been with regards to mental health and counselling, but I guess I'll start by telling you a bit about mine. I actually, I've been seeing counselling pretty steadily now for six months, but it's been kind of on and off for the past five years. Um, I started the first time in university. I think for a lot of people, that's kind of when mental health issues start to manifest. It's a much more higher stress environment. And so for me, it was really, it was just so much going on. And I just really, it was such a confusing time because I really didn't know what I was experiencing. It was, you know, it kind of just was this perpetuating feeling of sadness. And I just like, after a certain amount of time of, I just wasn't happy anymore. That's like, I couldn't really explain what was going on other than I couldn't get happy. And it, it felt like a switch from when normally, you know, if you have something bad happens, you know, it, it's a bad thing. And then you eventually get back to some sort of steady state. Whereas it was completely flipped. And, you know, even if something really amazing happened and I was in a great mood, very quickly, I would fall back into this, into this down mood. Like depression? I, I've never been diagnosed with depression, but like from what I've read about it, and I definitely, I do feel like I was in a depression because I, no matter what happened, I couldn't get out of it. And it wasn't until I saw counseling that I started to work through it. And the, the first time I actually went, you know, it, it actually made things worse because of all the stigmas I had about counseling itself. And I had all of these, these anxieties about it. Um, have you had, like, how have, How's it been for you? Have you had similar experiences? Um, for me, like, I, I also went to a counselor in university. I think that was maybe like my second term. Um, and I knew I needed help. It was mainly because of like a broken relationship that I started in university. And after that, I was like heartbroken and I knew I needed help. And um, my dad's like told me like, oh, like you could go see a counselor or something. Cause like, they knew that something was wrong. Um, and if I wasn't willing to talk about problems with them, then I could go see someone else. Um, I wasn't too involved in the church at that time, so I didn't really like go there. Um, but instead, like our school, like at the university, we have counselors. I'm not sure if that's the same one that you went to. Mm. Yeah, Is it's that the same one. Really? Okay. Um, so the eng engineering like counselors? Yeah. Like, okay. Was, it, was yours in first year? Uh, mine wasn't in first year, no. I think I was in my third year. And, you know, I felt actually pretty lucky because I've heard a lot of stories of people at, at our school even having a really hard time and a long wait list to seek help. And, like, that wasn't my experience, and I'm very grateful for that because the amount of strength it took me to go the first time was... I had been thinking about going for over a month, but it was, so, like, it was actually terrifying. And I remember I went in, and they, they try and give you, a, like, an intake meeting at the same day. And, you know, my intake meet, my first meeting was three or four hours later, and I actually just sat in the waiting room the whole time because oh, yeah. it took me so much effort to get there. And I was honestly worried if I had left and went to do something else, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't have enough courage to go back because I was so worried about being there. Um, but I felt, you know, from what I've heard about other experiences, you know, I feel actually lucky because even at our school, people have had a hard time and, you know, what I've experienced since being out of university, it was, it's so much harder it, it's, to seek help and it's not free, right? Like, uh, we were very lucky as well, but... So, how did you find out about, like, our school counseling services? So I was involved in, like, student politics and stuff, so, I mean, I always tried to push for more counseling even before I used it. For other students? For other oh, students, because okay. I think it's an important thing and, you know, you read about how much people struggle in university in particular with mental health. And so I was just always kind of aware of it. I had worked with them uh, on some committees as well. Um, so that's kind of how I knew about them. Cool. So you were like encouraging other students and then mm -hmm. you realized you needed it. And that's funny. So like you still felt that stigma even though you were encouraging other students? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I really like it was actually not until I talked to my sister the first time. So like right after I, I kind of felt 
like an out-of-body experience when I was leaving counseling. I really wasn't aware of what was going on. I, like, I was so anxious about the fact that I had seen counseling. Mm -hmm. And like, what did that mean for me? Was I gonna see a counselor every week for the rest of my life? Was I labeled as someone who needed to do that? And it wasn't until actually I called my sister like, you know, within a half hour after I had seen them and I told her and she just accepted that. She was like, I love you, thank you for telling me like nothing had changed in her mind. So it was like, why would have something changed in my mind, right? And so that is really what allowed me to have that sense of that like relief that I think a lot of people, um, that a lot of people do try and get. And by no means was it, you know, solved after one session, obviously, but it also wasn't the concern I had of you know, am I going to counseling every week for the rest of my life? Uh, which isn't a bad thing either. I, I go regularly now, but at the time it was, I was absolutely terrified. Really? Wow. Hmm. I would have never imagined that for you because like I knew you then sort of, and you were just like an engineering leader. And I guess I wouldn't have expected that you could struggle with something like that. And like with your group of friends, I guess I wouldn't have expected that you would have wanted to go seek help from them. Yeah, well, there's something to be said, I think, in particular about having someone who's just there to listen, right? So counselors are different than therapists. A counselor is not there to, like, read into your mind as much as a therapist might be, but they're there to, like, listen to you and provide support. And, and, and it's actually so helpful to be able to get something off your chest and have someone who's there not to judge you, just to listen, right? Um, but also, I think... A, because I you know, wasn't the typical person, I was so outgoing and so out there, and people didn't expect that you know, someone like me would need to seek help, and that's why I tried to be, once I kind of, it took me a little bit of time to accept it of myself, but once I did, I tried very hard to be vocal and tell people I've done it. So I've written about it. About a year ago, I actually uh, did a Bell Let's Talk with a member of parliament talking about my experiences in university. And at that time, I hadn't yet been going to a therapist like I am now, but I very much, like there's still such a stigma around mental health, which I think is just so bad because, you know, even now, I'm very accepting of it in myself, but I can remember the fear I had that like, what if someone found out? And, you know, I very much was prided, I very much saw pride in my reputation and, and how I was as a student leader. And, you know, would that be tainted? If someone knew I needed help, can I be as strong of a leader? And, you know, I think a lot of people have that in general. How will people view them in their other roles if they know they have mental health issues? Yeah, that's a big thing, right? But I think it's, it's you know, I, I see therapy now and it was kind of over the summer, this past summer, I was in a really bad spot. Um, and I was in probably the worst, I, again, it wasn't a diagnosed depression, but I, I literally had a hard time leaving my bedroom, right? And it was just, I would get stuck in my own thoughts and I, I didn't know what to do with myself. And it was really a hard time. And I had friends, I had people I could talk to, but there's so many stigmas associated with it still that it's, it's, it's a really difficult thing. So you went to see counseling a bit in university. Have you had any experiences with it since then? Um, I went for that one term for like a couple of months. Um, and then it's funny because um, I helped another girl in my class also go to the same counselor because she was struggling with things also. So that was kind of cool. Um, but since then, I haven't gone back to see a specific counselor, but I've talked to, so like at my church that I go to, like there's a lot of like older women. So we have like ladies meetings. Um, and so like, and we have accountability partners. So I found like my best friend from our church, like youth group and like we share everything. So she's like, she counsels me and everything. And like same for like a bunch of like ladies at church. And so I have like that outlet, I guess. And that's more like spiritual, which is what I need at this point. But even now I was considering going to a counselor, um, whether it's like a Christian counselor or just a normal counselor, um, because there are issues that I like cannot get over mentally. And so I just want to like get help with it instead of just sitting on my own and just like struggling with it. Yeah. So I think that's a really important piece actually is like, you know, a lot of people think either I go to a therapist or I don't, but you know, there's so many other support systems and there's like yeah. group therapies or just, it's really a piece of having a sense of community, having friends you can rely on. And it, you know, it depends on where anyone is in their life, but 
it's really about having that support system because you don't want to sit and ruminate on your own thoughts. And I know we've talked about how like we both have fairly like hyperactive brains, <laughs> yeah. right? So anxiety is a big piece of it. And especially anxiety is often paired with depression. And it definitely is for me. Same for me. Yeah. I'm sad <laughs> about what's happening. And I think, why am I sad? And then I think about all of the reasons. And, you know, actually one of the things that upset me the most about therapy was that I needed to go to therapy, not from a stigma point of view, but it's like, why don't I have friends I can talk to about these things? Why do I have to pay someone to listen and care about me? That's what it felt like, but it's not necessarily, right? It's someone who's just there to help you work through what's going on in your head. That's actually really interesting that you mentioned, like, because when you're like that sense of community, and then also like, shouldn't our friends play that role in our lives, right? Because like, I know, like, I've wished for the exact same thing. I'm like, that's what people in your life are supposed to be. That's the type of relationships that we're supposed to have. But instead, like, we're constantly, like, on our phones or, like, busy, distracted with other things and not giving attention to the people who are around us. And it's, it sucks. And I'm like, and I was glad that first time that we, like, hung out because I'm like, you know what? Like, David's at this, like, point in his life where he's willing to, like, talk about these things. And, like, I can talk about these things because, like, it's been like a pain point in my life and so like it's nice to have that like friendship with you in that sense also because I know like in our generation like as personally like part of like Indian culture like nobody has mental problems you just like go on with your life and like you need to make money and like you do this and like your parent-child relationship is for like a specific purpose and it's nothing outside of that but then like being a kid you're like I need someone to talk to about all these things so it's like kind of nice that you know we can like connect on this subject and then like share it because I'm sure there's like tons of people out there who are just as lonely in their own like worlds. Yeah and that's the thing is I think especially for our generation and with technology like loneliness is a big problem and I think actually I was just reading about in the UK they created a minister of loneliness. They literally created a governmental uh, a a minister of loneliness. And it's literally because mental health is such an issue now that they're creating a new portfolio in the government there to deal with it. And that's how they've branded it as a minister of loneliness because it is that sense of not belonging. Technology has kind of started to destroy communities. People don't feel as connected to each other as they used to. And there's many different reasons for that, but I found that quite interesting. Did that have anything to do with like the Facebook um, thing or the Apple thing? There's something in the news lately about how they were going to change the way that stories show on your newsfeed. And they're saying that, oh yeah, it might um, cause people to spend less time on Facebook or whatever. And, um, but it would like increase social interaction between humans. I don't know if that had anything to do with. I'm not sure, but I definitely, social media is definitely a huge piece of mental health problems. You can read about the generation younger than ours that is actually apparently in like a much worse situation than we are, but mental health rate a problem the rate of mental health problems has been like going up significantly and it has been linked to social media. Um, and personally, like one of the things they say is like, you know, you're comparing your behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. No one is posting on Facebook about like, you know, their struggles and stuff and you might unfollow them if they are, right? So Because you're you know, like, oh, that person is so depressing. Yeah. And why do I want to spend time with that person, right? But it's about, because you can't feel that support and that connection that you want to give someone or get from someone through online means. That's like a human to human connection, much more than uh, someone you're texting necessarily, right? It's a lot, it's very hard to actually give empathy through a text message, mm -hmm. right? Can I ask you something? Yeah. Okay, so, um, you know how in like most social settings, like people always gravitate to like people who are full of energy and like, like or more popular or whatever but have you ever like seen someone in a social setting that's like not feeling as great or like feels out of it and like gone to talk to them instead of like someone who's I never used to I think I, I try to a bit more now but that's also because of how I've changed like I always used to want to be the center of attention <laughs> and yeah. I very much now prefer to be reserved at a group setting. I'll go to, I'll be one of the people kind of hanging out near the, the sidelines. And it's very interesting for me to see that contrast as I've changed from like, I was, you know, the epitome of an extrovert to changing to being introverted. Cause you'd normally be like, oh, why doesn't that person want to be here? Why aren't they engaged? But I'm very much excited to be there. This just is how I'm, 
this is how I want to be engaged. I don't want to be rah, rah, rah the whole time because that's, that's mentally draining for me now. It used to give me energy, but there's been a shift in my, in my mindset and it, it's quite draining for me to be on all the time. So I kind of like to be, I love being around people, but I love passively being around people. I can't be so actively engaged anymore. But, okay, do you think that's because of like age that you're like, because you're getting older or is that because of a change in like mindset. I guess the two are correlated, but. I, I'm sure they're correlated. For me, it really is a change in mindset though. It, it, it kind of happened all of a sudden. Um, and you know, I know people who were like me when we were friends and my, one of my biggest struggles actually in terms of why I see therapy and why I feel disconnected from my community and my friends is because you know, I existed on a different level before. The friends I made in university were built around that extroverted self, like how I was. And that's how they are now, but that's not how I am anymore, which is perfectly fine, but it seems quite hard to find new communities now. And I think that's a common struggle I've read about as well for many people when they graduate university um, to be able to find new communities, right? Because, you know, you go to, unless you find them at work or like people seem to be much more disconnected than they used to be. And something like church is a great way to meet people because um, everyone's going there physically. But unless you start like actively joining programs, get, like get where do you go involved. to meet people? Hmm. Have you reached out to any of those friends that um, you've like even like partied with or something in university and asked if maybe they've changed also? It, it just feels like a quite difficult conversation to have, really? right? It seems kind of awkward to say like, oh, hey, especially if you've never had that relationship before to say, hey, I'm struggling right now. Like, do you mind actually talking, right? Like, how do you, like, if I have a friend I'm normally hanging out with, like, broing out or whatever, how do I all of a sudden, and that's always been our relationship, how do I all of a sudden go like, hey, man, I'm actually struggling? And this actually makes me think, you know, when I talk about when I started to go see therapy, it makes me think of my sister again because she was always kind of one of my, my staples of someone I could always rely on and things like that. But I was so in such a bad spot and it had so much anxiety that it was actually overwhelming for her. It was quite overwhelming for her, to, all of the thoughts, because I'm a very anxious person, so all of the thoughts that were running through my head about, you know, my concerns for my life, my career, my this, my this, and it was never ending. And it's all I could think about. And I remember she actually broke down once because it was so overwhelming for her to just, and you know, that's what I was living with all of the time. And it was overwhelming for her for an hour, right? And it's like, I really didn't know what to do. Wow, I've been through like the exact same thing. But I think that problem that you mentioned, like you're just offloading on another human being, right? And like humans aren't meant to take everyone else's problems because like we're struggling with our own. and. Like what you said about your sister, like that happens, for example, like with me and like my mom and my sister. Like if I go and like tell them everything that I'm going through, like they might just shut down and be like, I can't handle this. Like I'm, I can't be there for you in that way that you need, right? So. And that's why therapy is such a good thing. And I, I very much, you know, I kind of every time I've gone or I've switched what I've been doing, it does take me a while to accept it of myself. Um, but I think it's so important and as soon as I do, I try and share because I, it's such an important step and I really think there shouldn't be a stigma around these things because I don't think I'm any less functioning. I don't think I have any other issues other than, you know, sometimes my brain is giving me a, a hard time, right? That, that's all it comes down to. And so, and like one thing I've, one tool I found really useful aside from all that is actually journaling, right? Because for me, I, it literally feels like in Harry Potter, when they use a pensive, they pull a thought out of their mind and put it somewhere to store. That's really what it feels like to me to journal. I have all of these thoughts rambling through my brain, and if I write them out, it's as if I'm like dumping them. I don't need to think about it because it exists there. And it's like, you know, if I want, sometimes I'll revisit it, and if I'm working through a problem that's really bothering me, I can read through it and revisit it but sometimes I just need to dump it. And it's like, this is, I, I'm ruminating on this and I don't want to be, so let's write it there. And it's, it's like giving it, giving it some concrete form, you know, makes it less real in my brain. And that's what therapy does as well. It's, you know, if I say it, it's no longer just being stuck in there, like thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. You can just like release it and let it go, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's something else that you mentioned, it was, Right, this goes back to like the whole family. Like sometimes I wonder, like, 
people who don't need mental help, is it because they have this like rich like family life, for example? Like, do they have all their needs met within their family? Is it because there's something that we're missing in our lives? Because a lot of times for myself, I think like, like one of my biggest problems is like with physical relationships, right? Like I need, like as silly as it might sound, like I need to be cuddled, right? Mm -hmm. And so like I have my dog, but I need a human being, right? And so it's like there are needs that are not met. So it's like it affects every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if people who don't need like any help, like is it because they have somebody to talk to all the time or is it because they have everything that they need? I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't know. And that's kind of part of what made me upset about going to therapy. It was like, clearly I'm not fulfilled in my life. So that's why I need to go to therapy. But I think what it comes down to as well, like I don't really feel unsupported by my friends and family. And, you know, if I called my mom or my sister and told them you know, I needed to talk to them, they would be there for me. So I'm very they lucky to there? have them. Okay. Yeah, they would. But it's, you know, to what degree? Because they have all of their things as well. It's a lot for me to dump on someone all of the things I'm worried about because they have all the things they're worried about. They have other relationships too, right? So, and I think, you know, naturally, my, my mom and my sister both tended to be someone, people who wanted to help, but to take on everyone's, like they're not a therapist, to try and take on everyone else's problems into themselves, that's really hard for someone to do as well. Hmm, I guess so. What about, what about your dad? Um, my dad, I can talk to, but you know, it's more so recently because I think he bought more into the old school mentality of, you know, he's a man, he's supposed to be strong and not show emotion. And it's not like that anymore. And I am very comfortable to talk to him as well. But I personally have a very hard time being vulnerable. Even right now, we're talking about these things and I don't, I've, you know, kind of siphoned it off in my head that not what I can or can't talk about. I try and be accepted I try and be ex very accepting of myself so I can talk about everything, but that means I'm not truly vulnerable because, and I've actually talked about this in therapy about, you know, I have a very hard time being vulnerable. And for, for me, it, this is, you know, it is slightly academic still because, you know, I'm not discovering new things about myself to get to a vulnerable point. You know, it's something you're uncomfortable with. And I try to be very comfortable with the fact that I have mental health issues sometimes. So it's, it's, for me, it's this, you know, quite, quite odd thing. And so to, to reach out for help is still quite difficult. So I talk to my family about my mental health issues, but if I was really struggling, I don't know if I can reach out to them for help. I know they'd be there, but it, that's very hard for me to do. Because you don't want to accept that it's a weakness? Maybe, like, I honestly don't know. It's still something I'm working through. But one thing, one time that comes to mind is actually, you know, in September, I think, I was in a really bad spot and I honestly just called my sister and I told her, I, like, I didn't want help, I just wanted to cry. Because I was literally so overwhelmed with my life and I was in a bad spot of depression and I hadn't been seeing therapy yet and I was really struggling. And that's all I needed was someone to be there, like you said, maybe to cuddle or to something. It wasn't like, it wasn't the therapy, it was just, like I needed to be vulnerable. Yeah. Wow, that's, <laughs> I was feeling just that way yesterday. I'm like, I just need somebody so I can just sit there and cry, yeah. you know? And it, it's really tough, yeah. especially, you know, I actually recently shared on social media this, uh, this graffiti I really liked when I, I saw on the Berlin Wall and it's someone's thumbs up and it's like bolted to their wrist. Oh, I think I saw right? that on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. and it's I've like, seen that. Yeah. it really kind of epitomizes what I feel society is now. And especially because of social media, you're supposed to always be so happy. You're supposed to, you like, you, you can't post about things that bother you. And like, you know, if I talk about what's bothering me, that's just draining you. Why am I putting that on you? And it's like, it's this weird thing where you should always be happy and then it feels like you can only be sad by yourself, yeah, which is so yeah. difficult. But just so you know, like you don't have to like always be happy with me because I get it, you yeah. know, like I get depression. Like I've been through like so much depression in my life and it's like, so it's easy for me to connect with people when they're like upset or sad mm -hmm. too. So like you don't have to be that way with me at least. Well, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But it is like, yeah, for me, it still comes down to it's, it's quite difficult. And, you know, in therapy, actually, she was 
the first time I broke down in therapy, like I don't remember what specifically we were talking about. This was in university? No, this was like since university. I think I've been going to see a psychotherapist for about six months now. Um, and you know, it's really been helping me, uh, especially I, I tend to be an auditory thinker. Mm -hmm. So as much as I like journaling and I try and journal every couple of days, uh, just because there's so much going on in my mind, I, I need to get it out. Um, but the first time I broke down, she said that just showed her how high my walls had been built because I had been with her for months and months and we've talked about really sensitive things. But it, it was always kind of still an academic thing. She says it talks about like, are you existing up here or down here? Am I actually like feeling what's going on or am I just thinking about what I'm experiencing instead of experiencing those emotions? So that's what it comes down to for me. It's, um, you know, that, that switch. Um, but it, it's really a defense mechanism because it is difficult to feel all of the things I'm feeling all of the time. Hmm. So you just build up all these like guards mm -hmm. against it. Has she, she or he, I'm not sure what it is, but like, do they give you advice on like what to do? Not particularly. Like, um, honestly, the best thing is that it's just someone who's not judging and who's giving compassion. Like I can say, you know, things I'm judging myself very harshly for and, and things like that. And, you know, all she says is like, you're a flawed human just like everyone else. Don't judge yourself so hard. Don't hold yourself to this standard. Because really, and I've been doing mindfulness classes as well, and that's kind of what it teaches is, you know, you're in control of how you feel because it's how you judge your own situation, right? You, you can be in a very difficult situation, but if you're just happy to be there, if you wake up every day happy to be alive, you will live a good life. It doesn't really matter what's going on around you if you're just happy that you're alive, right? That's kind of what mindfulness teaches. It's about just being present. And so it's kind of like that too. You know, why get so bent out of shape about any one situation if you just kind of accept it and deal with how you feel about it rather than getting upset about the situation in and of itself, that's what it really comes down so to. So it's saying like, don't be anxious about anything? Not, no, it's like, you know, it's not saying don't be anxious because again, I, I am an anxious person, I can't help that. Mm -hmm. But it's about trying to work through that anxiety. Um, and more so, yeah, it's about trying to work through that. Um, so I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but she really just says, you know, that's okay. And, but to be able to just talk to someone about it and hear that is so different than me trying to tell myself, right? One thing I've actually done recently in my journaling is I try and journal as if I'm giving someone else advice, right? Because it's very easy. Like if you came to me with your problems, uh, I would very much try and be there for you and try and support you. But when it's my own th problems in my own head, it's a lot harder to do that, right? It's a lot harder to tell myself something's not actually that big of a deal. Right? It's a lot easier to be there for a friend than it is to be there for yourself, it seems. Because our brains are always taking like molehills and making mountains out of it. So we like amplify every problem, right? And yeah, and, that, and to, when it just exists in your head, then it's much more difficult to deal with. It, there's no like concreteness to it, it feels like. So it's hard to be analytical with yourself. Yeah. And one thing I actually, I want to jump back for a second. When we were talking about kind of like offloading onto family and things like that, um, one, one of the problems with like the stigma around mental health as well is, you know, especially when I was in my, like my lowest points, um, all I could think about was my own mental health issues. I was literally just ruminating on my anxiety and my depression and things like that. Um, again, they weren't diagnosed, but I definitely, that's how I felt. Um, and I was talking with some friends and some family and they said, well, why don't you just like, Every time we hang out, this is what you talk about. So it's all you think about. Why don't you just not do that? And it's like, that sounds great, but I literally can't. I, like, th I know it's coming from a place of love, and they think, you know, I'm, I'm at a family event. Why not you just enjoy the family event? Focus on that. But that's not what, when you're in the depression, that's, you can't. You, you can't help but only think about how sad you are. And right? And, and that's the part of the problem as well. These people love me. They want nothing more than for me to be in a better place. But until you've experienced that, you can't really, you know, get that across that I would love to be here and present with you and in a happier mood. But this is all I can think about. Like, yeah. Do you ever feel that you're 
not willing to share anything with anyone, whether it's like those family members or like just friends because you're going to be judged by them? I'm, I'm sure I do. Um, but again, for me, I've one, the one thing that's provided me the greatest source of strength personally is I try and be very self-accepting. Um, so, but, and as soon as I, it's again, it's, it's ultimately a defense mechanism, but if I accept something of myself, no one can use that thing to harm me, Against. right? So that's the thing that, you know, I tend to be fairly open, but I've also always been like a more jokesy guy. So like, I'll kind of bring it out in, in a joke or in, in a light way, mm -hmm. like, so then it becomes, remember that time I thought this thing, <laughs> right? Like that kind yeah. of thing. I do the same thing with all my mistakes. I'm like, you know what? I was just learning. Okay. Like, yeah. Yes. And I, th I think that's like, that's the one thing that, you know, I've been very fortunate of is that I can't imagine if I judged myself more harshly about everything, mm -hmm. um, especially as I've been working through stuff. Um, you know, we talked earlier about gender mm -hmm. and, you know, that's something that I've been struggling with a bit because I do have an anxious brain and, you know, the same way at some point I was thinking about whether or not I'm gay or straight or something else. Um, you know, I've had that with gender because I read about it a lot and my brain can't help but pose those questions to itself, right? And you know, that, that's been anxiety inducing because I don't know how I would handle if I did, you know, if I was a woman and things like that. And you know, for a lot of people, that's something they never even consider because you know, you're a man, you're a man, you're a, or some trans people say they're born trans and that kind of thing. For me, it's kind of like my brain just wants to think through the process. And so like even admitting that, you know, that's quite scary that, you know, I'm a man because there's still that stigma, but like I'm a man and to admit that I've thought about maybe I'm not, even that, like right now I can feel that's the first like real vulnerable thing I've said in this discussion, right? But because there are these stigmas around it at all. But for me, it's just, you know, I can't help that my brain thinks these things. My brain is just always on. I don't blame you for like thinking about those thoughts necessarily, right? Because like when society or someone presents something to you, like it goes, I guess it goes through your head and you do consider it. But I guess then it comes to a matter of forming your opinion on that topic. And like, that's where you might need help instead of, um, just like questioning, like, cause you don't have to accept everything that society tells you, right? It's like, we're constantly like trying to filter and like divide between what is true and what is not true. Um, cause we all know that like the media, everyone throws a whole bunch of like junk our way too. So I guess it's trying to filter like what's coming into us. And I think one, one thing that maybe is factoring into the current mental health problem as well is just the amount of media. People's brains are consuming so much more than they ever have been. Mm -hmm. So there's just more going through there. There's more filtering through there. There's more to think about because, you know, before you were connected all of the time on your phone, you know, if you woke up, read the newspaper, went to work, came home, had dinner with your family, watched a TV show and went to sleep, you're only interacting with so many new ideas each day. But if you're consistently on your phone, seeing what all of your friends are doing, what Every, what everything that's going on in the world, Twitter, this, that, right? That's just a lot for your brain to handle as well. Hmm, that's an interesting point. I've, I've actually never thought about it that way. But I guess, yeah, like scrolling through your newsfeed, like, hmm. Yeah, it, it, like it, it, it surprises me that, you know, only so many people have mental health issues, but I think really it touches everyone's life. Oh, right? I think so, yeah. And I think for me personally, the thing that really upsets me the most is the, the tone of the conversation around mental health still just doesn't make sense to me. I remember after I gave my, uh, after I did a presentation with the MP around mental health about a year ago, a lot of people were coming out and telling me how brave I was and, and things like that. I didn't really, f I didn't feel that brave because, you know, I had accepted it in, of, in and of myself. And I tried to remember how I had felt when it first happened and how, how scary it really was. But what really upset me was, you know, they told me how brave I was to deal with the mental health illness I had. And I had never viewed it that way. That's like, yeah, and I didn't like being told I had an illness, mm -hmm. right? And to me, it still seems like either you have an illness or you don't, right? But that's not the way it works for physical health, right? You know, I, have, I, had, a, I had an accident when I was traveling and I have a bad ankle now that gives me pain sometimes, right? So is that an illness, right? Is that grouped with if I had cancer, is that, and you know, on another note, what about a bruise, right? So can you have a mental health bruise? 
That's what I want to know. You mean like physically? Because I would just call that an injury, right? Right. So yeah. like it seems like that you can either have a mental health illness or not. But what about a mental health injury, right? Like, you know, why am I labeled as having a mental health illness as soon as I need to go see help or I talk about that I've had help? There seems to be no, no like, no spectrum that we talk about. It's either yours mentally sick or mentally well. But that's, and that's why the stigma is so bad is because people don't want to be labeled as you're sick, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I don't like being labeled as sick either. I don't feel sick even though I, de I do have anxiety. I have had depression. I go see therapy regularly, but I don't feel sick. Why am I being labeled that way? That's true. Because, like, I guess at every, every, everyone's lives, like, you have these stages where you're going through different tough situations, right? And that's going to have an effect on you mentally. Um, it's not like everyone just goes through life, floats through life on some cloud. And, like, if people show that they do, like, I'm sure they're pretending at some point, right? Because they're just hiding it. They want to be that tough persona that everyone sees. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing I often think about, I joked that I went through a quarter life crisis. You know, I graduated from school. What do I want to do with my life? Blah, blah, blah. That's what a lot of people go through, I think, post-university. Still in it. Right? <laughs> Still in it, yeah. I really liked the term quarter-life crisis because people used to have these midlife crises because they'd get to the age of 40 or 50 and decide, I didn't like my life that much. What am I doing with myself? And they'd, you know, buy a fancy car or move across the world or whatever. But we're doing that at a lot younger of an age, which I think is good, but it's also paired with all of these anxieties and things like that because you're really just entering the world. And you have so many options, you don't know what to do with yourself. And it feels like, you know, why not provide the support that people need? Uh, you know, we were very lucky that we could get it in university. But I remember when I got out of university, I actually wrote in my journal many times that if I was still in university, I would have gone to counseling by now because it's so easy to do there. It's still quite difficult, but it's relatively easy. They're in the buildings I'm in all the time. It's there. Whereas here, I have to find a counselor. I have to find a therapist. I have to go there. Like, there's so many options. There's no convenient way to seek it out. And then there's all of the additional stigmas about it. I'm like you in the sense where, like, I'll tell people my problems because I know what my, I know I'm like, well, I don't, you're probably not familiar with this term, but a sinner, right? So, like, I know that I have all these problems and I know I need help. And so, um, I'm not afraid to admit to people, like, this is the real me. Like, I have issues. Like, life is tough. Like, I go through things. So, I will take the stance of, like, I'm going to tell you before, like, you come and judge me on it. But I do get scared of people judging me on certain things, which is why I don't tell everyone, like, everything, right? I'll share specific things with specific friends. Um, depending on who's going to give me what kind of advice. Because you'll kind of know, like, this friend is probably going to say this, and this friend is probably going to say this. But, yeah, so... Uh, I, th I think that's why therapy has been so good for me as well, is because I don't have to... I don't, re I don't know my therapist outside of this environment. All they're there for is to try and not judge me and help me work through my problems. So I don't have to worry about like, you know, I can talk to one of my friends about 80% of these things and another friend about the other 10%. It's like, just know if I have something, and that's why you have to grow to trust your therapist as well, right? As you work with someone more and more, you can, people grow in comfort with the person they're seeing, but it's about having one person that you are just comfortable being completely open with. And Honestly, the thing that really made the difference for me was th the first time I was in love because it was the first time I ever felt completely accepted. And I could be, what I, what I actually said is I could be more myself with her than I could be alone. She was more accepting of me than I was of myself. And once I felt that, that's when I started to no longer be happy with how I was alone. Because, you know, why was I so judgmental? Right? And, and that's what has really allowed me, that's what really allowed me to start my journey towards going to where I am now and being able to sit with a therapist who I trust doesn't judge me because I felt that before. Right? I sit there judging myself and I think so many people judge themselves so harshly, right? But it's about trying to find someone, either therapy or otherwise, who just, you know, is there unconditionally for you. Hmm. That's, that's really cool. You know, I think that's, that might be like one of the key points of love, right? Like find, when you fall in love, like you're finding someone who's willing to accept those things about you that you can feel like you can connect with. 
even if it's with like depression or something else. Um, and that's what a lot of people have with family as well, right? Like, you know, you're, they say your parents love you unconditionally sometimes and things like that. And everyone's relationships are different. But if you have a parent who tries to love you unconditionally and be there for you, you know, be there for you now or while you were growing up, that can really have a positive impact on your life if you have that. Um, and some people don't, but some people do. And it's, it's a different experience for everyone. You know what one of my biggest like, fears is? when it comes to like mental health and like depression and like I guess it's easy for us to talk about it but like from a world perspective for example um like my biggest fear is that what if it be what if we take it to another extreme I was I saw this video the other day and it was this parody of this millennial child walking kid girl teenager adult um walking into this interview and she goes through the interview and she gives like She's on her phone the entire time, and the interviewer, he's like maybe like a baby boomer or something, and he's so confused at this girl's behavior, and um, she's trying to like give him excuses for everything, and um, he's like, oh, you have to be at work at 8 a.m. in the morning. She's like, what? Sorry, I don't understand that. And like, um, and then he says something else, and she's like, I don't feel safe here. Like, um, where's where's HR? I need a day off. And then she like tries to call HR or whatever, and it it like also kind of relates to mental health because she's saying that like, oh, I need help for all these situations. And she makes a big deal out of nothing. If you watch the video, you'll get that. Mm -hmm. But like my fear is that what if we do that? Like we make such a big deal out of it that. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's, the, that's the key thing is like everything needs balance, obviously. You know, I've thought about, you know, if I started a company, would I provide mental health days? Because, you know, I, I'm lucky in my workplace that if I'm having a really hard day, um, I can work from home, right? And that's really been helpful for me because the same way, you know, if I had a really bad physical injury, there are some days where I, for whatever reason, something's going on in my life and I can't be productive that day. I don't want to go in and have to deal with a bunch of people or things like that, right? So if I'm really not going to be able to work to my best self, if that's for a physical reason, if I have a cold and I feel miserable, that scene is more acceptable yeah. than just like, you know, I'm, I'm having a bad day mentally, right? So I, but you know, there, there is a risk of extremes in any case, and there's also a risk of just people abusing it and things like that. Um, but I think there's no reason, you know, let's say you add three mental health days to your sick days or whatever. Um, even if someone just takes that for a day off work, right, and they just use it to explore the city. You know, that is good for their mental health, right? To have a day to themselves or a day to do whatever it is they like to do, right? And, you know, let's say for the summer. In the, in the summer, people tend to schedule all of their weekends, right? They, they're so busy, they never just have a day off. In the winter, you'll coop up in your room or whatever. Um, but, like, I don't see why you couldn't have that. But, again, there's always, there's always a need for balance, obviously. Do you feel like safe enough to take one of those mental health days? Like you don't have to give a like you don't have to tell them that you're taking a mental health day, do you? No. So my office doesn't actually offer mental health days. We oh. just have a we have a flexible works uh, working situation. People can work remotely and things like that. So I'm lucky enough, but I, I don't tell them like, hey, I'm feeling really bad today. I'm gonna work from home. I just do it um, because again, like I don't know if I'm comfortable enough with my coworkers for them to know I'm struggling mentally and things like that, right? And that's why I'm, yeah, and that's why I'm missing work. Um, so definitely, I think it's, it's a, an odd balance. You know, like, like, I know, I guess, like, you're comfortable doing that. But, for example, like, at one of my past jobs, like, I was not comfortable, like, I would not be comfortable doing something like that because I'd still feel like everyone around me is judging me. Like, if you're late to work, like, like, sure, they might not say anything, but, like, Maybe they're like looking at you when you like walk into the office and like thinking in their head like, oh, like w what is she doing? Like, what's wrong with her? Yeah, and, and that's a huge risk. And I think that's why it's so important to break down the stigma is because if you were physically sick, that's not as big a concern, right? And if, but for, for you know, having mental health problems, it is still seen as a concern. And like, you know, let's say I show up to late, let's say I show up to work late one day uh, because I was having a really rough morning, um, I might be seen as a worse worker, right? Like, oh, they can't show up at nine o'clock every day like we do. They must be worse overall, right? But that's not the case. 
Um, and it's just there's so, there's so much going on there and there's so many things that are at play in someone's mind, in someone's life, right? Uh, let's say some, some companies started to uh, provide days off if you have a breakup, right? So a lot of companies, yeah, a lot of companies offer days off if someone in your family dies because obviously that's a very emotionally straining thing and you want to work through that. But, you know, a relationship is a, a key thing in many people's lives as well, a significant other. So, you know, why are you expected to be at your 100% the very next day for that? That could shatter someone's life completely. You don't know what's going on there. And, and there's so many levels of things not that extreme that can still have a really big impact on you. Wow, I didn't know that. That's, that's actually cool. Mm -hmm. And I think companies are starting to like, you know, provide more flexibility. And it's actually something that our generation, as we've come into the workforce, has kind of wanted more flexibility, more work-life balance and that kind of thing. Because for many generations before us, it was like, no, you have your 40 hours of a week, you're in nine to five and that kind of stuff. How do you think that our parents like went through all this stuff? Because they would have had problems too, right? You mentioned like those generations also, but like how did they solve it? Like, I don't know, for example, like I've never seen, I've seen my parents go through a lot of hard things, but I guess they don't explicitly call it a mental health, like trials, for example, but they just like suck it up and they move on. And they, maybe they internalize pain, maybe they get bitter or maybe they get better. How did your, like, how did you see your, like, parents in that generation? I think they kind, for the most part, I think older generations just kind of gritted their teeth, right? You're not supposed to deal with these problems. And I actually think, again, I always try and make the analogy to how it was with physical ailments. You know, like, back in the day, men weren't supposed to complain about physical problems either, right? Like, oh, you have a broken finger? Deal with it. Like, and there used to be a thing like, don't go to the doctor, right? Like, what do you need a doctor for? Like, rub some dirt in it, right? You have a big cut, rub <laughs> yeah. some dirt in it, right? And so that was how physical ailments were. And so mental ailments have been kind of, you know, delaying behind that, right? But I very much, I'd be very surprised if, you know, 50-year-olds, when they were in their 20s or even now, just admit they have these issues, right? And that's why you see the, it's an interesting thing to think about because they say, you know, 20% of people have a mental health problem in Canada. And would that number be higher or is it only that high because we're now talking about it? Mm -hmm. The same way, you know, of anything. Cancer could, like, it would have still been there years ago, right? Yeah. But now it's like Now blown everyone's up. just talking about it finally. So, you know, we can see how many people are actually struggling with these things. But I think really, again, people aren't having the conversations about it. And, you know, it's, it's a very politicized thing now. But if 20% of people were dealing with any sort of physical ailment, that would be an epidemic. We would figure out what was wrong and put money towards it. And it seems like very difficult for the government. And, you know, like, that's been a problem in my experience as well. I don't see why I need to, I have to pay for my therapy, right? This is something that helps me live in the world as best as I can. And if I skip therapy, it does make my life more difficult. The same way, like if I'm going for any sort of treatment like that, why do I have to pay for it? I'm lucky that I can afford to pay for it. Many people can't, right? So what about all of the people who this would really help them in their life, but they can't afford to pay for it? Come to church. <laughs> That's true. There are, yeah. there, are other, there are other avenues to get that support as well, I'm sure. Um, but it seems, you know, it seems hard to access still. Is there anything else about like your experiences that you think, you know, I, that I might relate to? Like what else in your experience has, you know, kind of varied from mine? So the way that my parents were brought up was, was completely different than the way that like I was brought up. And I'm trying to like fit into this culture and this society and I'm interacting with like our generation and like there's different expectations, there's different like ideals or goals and my parents are trying to, for example, like, there's nothing wrong. It's just that the way they knew life, how to do life best, right? Because everyone's parents are, almost everyone's parents are, like, looking out for their kids. They want the best for their kids. So they're going to do whatever they think is best for the kids based on what they know. So from that perspective, I think there's been a lot of, like, tension in my life. Um, so having, having, like, that, I think that would add to, like, my mental challenges. That's probably just like one source of like my problems, like trying to live to please my parents and to somehow get along in our Western society and world. 
Yeah. So that's, yeah. Definitely, I think that makes a lot of sense that you are trying to balance two sets of expectations, right? And two sets that don't really work well together necessarily. <laughs> Not at they all. They have very different sets of values. Yeah. Um, so that would obviously, you know, pull you in two different directions and trying to reconcile that while try trying to figure out which from each you want to have as, you know, as your opinion as, and as your identity. I think that's very interesting. Do you find that you like relate to your parents and like you guys have the same like goals in life and like you want to follow in their footsteps or are you trying to like break away from them and I guess take the good and leave the bad? I think um, personally I w I'm the youngest of three or I was originally the youngest of three um, <laughs> and I kind of I always tried to just lead my own life. That's how I felt as a kid. Like I didn't care what my parents thought. That's really what I, you know, tried to do. But every kid wants to please their parents. That's kind of like, or most kids want to please their parents. That's kind of like built into you. But I, I really don't know how that impacted my life. Um, but what it makes me think of actually is, you know, it, it comes back to the stigmas around mental health and I can remember as a kid having anxiety and like talking to my dad about going to see a counselor back then but it was still like you know much more stigmatized than it is now and he kind of just dismissed it not because he didn't love me or anything like that it was just no you like, didn't you're, think it was necessary yeah and you're probably just mm -hmm. a kid overreacting right but it's like I used to weigh I used to lay awake at night like with anxieties about different things, and it was a, it's a, it was a real problem. But I, I've never really had, I've never had like two big forces that I felt I was trying to deal with, but I think everyone is kind of just dealing with all of the expectations that their parents and society and they put on themselves, going back to what we were talking about earlier. Wow, I know, like in my life right now, there's like, um, I, I was actually gonna start going to see a counselor, um, Someone suggested someone to me and I was going to go see them because there's things that like I could like use help, right? And just like talking to someone through things. Someone told me the other day, like sometimes all you need, this goes back to what we were talking about at the start, like all you need is just someone to listen, you know? Because uh, too often, I'm guilty of this myself, like we're too quick to like be like, oh, you should just do that. Like this will solve your problems. But they just need somebody there. like to listen. I think that's so important. Yeah, I used to be a horrible culprit of that as well. Like someone would come to me with their problems and I would just try and give them the solutions I thought would be best. But that's not really what you're looking for. Like you're looking for just that support to say these are okay problems to have, right? Even that response is like, like I understand what you're going through. That empathy is really what's key instead of trying to solve the problems they're dealing with. Yeah. Well, I think on that note, like it's a good note to end on but it's such an important thing and you know, discussing it is really what will help break the stigma. So I wanna thank you for coming on and I wanna thank everyone for watching. I'd love to hear about your successes and your struggles with mental health. Thank you for watching The Safe Space and we hope you'll tune in next time. <laughs>